It's an excellent day for an exorcism. Welcome to the Nightly Podcast. Turn on the light when things go bump in the night. I'm Megan. I'm Kristen. And this is the Nightlight Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to our second episode. Yeah, oh my god, it's number two already. For it's us, weird. it's literally been like ten minutes, people. <laughs> Way to destroy the magic of podcasting. The illusion. Or the illusion. Because nobody knows how podcasts are made. Well, I don't want it's anyone very... to be like, I wrote in last time, and these women did not answer me, so... Well, well, okay, but I mean, now, now everyone's uh, idea of the fantasy of podcasting has been um, disillusioned. You don't? We can have Dennis edit that part out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So how, how, how have you been doing over the last month since oh, we've recorded this? It's, um, it's been real trying. Real try? Yeah, real try. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, that, that hotel gig didn't work out so well oh, for us. right, yeah. Yeah, I forgot you guys were going up there. Right? Yeah, did not know. And I haven't heard from Dennis in a while. I mean, is he okay? Don't worry about him. Okay, <laughs> whatever you say. Oh my god. So, this is our second episode. What's the movie that we did for this? This movie is. <laughs> the That was my lame attempt at a drum roll. I apologize. That was a beautiful. It was beautiful. This movie is The Exorcist. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> Oh, any personal history with Exorcist? Yes. Oh my God. Well, um, much like Megan did, I grew up Catholic, and so when you grow up Catholic, you are told things about like the devil and and possession and all of this kind of stuff. And when you're a kid, you know, not that I don't believe, you know, I'm still a Christian, so I do believe that there, there's a devil and this and that. But like, you tend to have a more childlike belief about how exorcism and, and uh, or possession work um, and so when you hear about things like the exorcist you think that that kind of stuff is going to happen to you or at least I did. I didn't see the exorcist for a really long time so it wasn't like The Shining where I saw it when I was a kid but I thought that the devil was coming for me and there was a good like two or three months when I was a pretty young child where I had this issue where I would stay up like I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd sit upright in my bed and just be paralyzed by the fear that Satan was going to come for me. Um, and I had this very, very vivid memory of like looking at the clock one day and being like, it's not that far till bedtime when I have to be scared again. And that was really bad. So I've always had a thing with like the devil and possession and I thought for years and years and years I couldn't ever watch The Exorcist and I was so scared of it. But uh, here we are. <laughs> so. You know, it's a funny story. I feel like um, this movie scares me. I'm going to be 100% honest. Okay. To this day, this movie scares me. Um, I also think it has a lot to do with our, our faith background. Yeah. And that for those of you who are unfamiliar with a Catholic Mass, there are times during the liturgical season when um, the priest gets up there and he asks you to reaffirm mm -hmm. your baptismal beliefs. And one of the things is, do you reject Satan? Mm -hmm. Now, of course, all you all those empty promises. Yes, you always answer. I do. I do. <laughs> because what if you didn't? <laughs> but like the fact that um, the idea that every Sunday, not not that that was discussed every Sunday, but every Sunday, you know, when you sat in church for an hour, and you heard about the devil, 
mm-hmm. and the demons and the possession and Jesus driving out the devils. And mm-hmm. um, so when a movie comes along where there's someone who is possessed mm-hmm. by a devil, by a demon, and you believe this as a child, as a, yeah. a, a teenager, as a preteen, to be true because you hear about it. Yep. every week mm-hmm. and now I'm not saying the church ever presents it as like oh there's a demon in this person but it's just yeah. you know in the Catholic belief system you know you have the two readings you have the gospel um, and you do have those times when do you reject Satan and all his dastardly deeds and you know the Satan and the devil and sin it is a very real thing for you Mm -hmm. as a child growing up in the Catholic Church and it is something that is discussed so the idea that this could happen to someone Mm -hmm. scares me yeah no and I don't put out that it could happen to someone and I do believe in the miracles of Jesus and I get it I you know as a Christian I do believe that there is Satan and all of that it's just that I believe more so now that like the way that Satan operates is like the evil that people do to one another like on a larger scale because sometimes throughout watching this and like other like demon films or like books or whatever pop culture I'm always kind of like it's not that super effective for like a demon to do this because it's like yes you're traumatizing like a small group of people but if you like corrupt someone who actually has power in government or something like that as we've seen throughout history it's like you can large scale cause so much more destruction right. i guess but i guess it's gonna get his evil where he's it, it's get funny it, so. that you bring me out bring that up because in the book good omens which i love it's a great book mm-hmm. um these three demons meet at the beginning of the, the book and um one demon talks about how he tempted a priest and the other demon talks about how he tempted like like a major business leader who did all these charitable Uh works and this third demon is like well I just pissed some guy off at the truck stop where I pissed some guy off at like you know the bus stop (laughs) and they're like yeah that's nothing he's like no but you don't understand but because I made him mad he's gonna yell at his secretary and his secretary's gonna go home and yell at her kids and the kids are gonna go home like that compound in effect like you know absolutely but that that it's what my point is like that doing that and that's really interesting um is better than being like I'm gonna go into this man and make his head spin you know it's like what is right and let's be honest Reagan is an 11 12 13 year old she's a young girl she's 12 she's a young girl um another reason that just scares me is her name was way too close to mine for comfort Reagan and Megan (laughs) I always thought Reagan was an interesting choice to like name you know my mom really liked the name Reagan was she gonna name you Reagan? No, 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 no. I, there was talks about one of my younger siblings possibly being a Reagan. I think it might have been Patrick, but then he was a boy. I could be wrong. It could, it could be a boy's name. And I always liked that idea because I was yeah. like, oh, it would be close to my name. Mm-hmm. Um, but therefore, no, he was a boy, and then the next yes. one was a boy. Yes, Megan is one of nine children, so that's that's why she's mentioning so many siblings. <laughs> Oh, just you wait. <laughs> she she definitely grew up Catholic, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, let's get into some backstory. All right, so we'll get into some backstory. I'm going to just load my sources up front here. So, 
I got uh, some things from this Daily Mail article called the uh, Devil Roland Doe, the Exorcist based on real life Missouri possession. I got about 99% of it from this 20 fascinating facts about the Exorcist for mental flaws and a little bit from Wikipedia about something that I'll get to at the end of it. But um, I probably should have mentioned all my stuff about The Shining was from Wikipedia or things I read on Reddit. Okay, there you I'm, go. I'm a very hardcore researcher. <laughs> she is. She's very exacting. Um, okay, so The Exorcist is actually based on a novel, which is based on a quote-unquote true story. Uh, William Peter Blatty wrote the novel. Sorry to interject. Have you ever read the novel? I haven't, but I want to. I've read the novel. Okay. Well, just... So, well, we could talk about it. No, I might throw in things about the novel. No, you totally should. I actually, I want to read it's it. It's actually very close to the, um... To the movie? Very close oh, to the movie. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, um... It, not the, like The Shining. Sorry. Oh, no, absolutely Sorry. not like yeah, The Shining. That's the last time I interrupt no. you. Oh my goodness. Interrupt away. That's what podcasting is for. Um, so, it was basically a quote-unquote true story exorcism of a Roland Doe, which was not the child's real name, in 1949, um... A lot of the elements, as Megan was saying, show up in the movie, like bed shaking, inside of the body, writing, an image of Satan on the boy, which doesn't happen in the movie, but I just mentioned that because that seemed to be a really creepy part of it. We're all allegedly involved. Um, it's thought today that more so that some type of mental illness like schizophrenia um, took, you know, the boy developed that sort of thing. But back at that time, they thought it might have been an exorcism, so they brought in priests, so they, they did the rite of exorcism on, on this kid. And uh, William Peter Blatty heard about this and wrote his novel, The Exorcist. Um, one of the interesting things is that the voice of Pazuzu, who's the demon in The Exorcist, was voiced by former radio actress Mercedes McCambridge. Uh, and her raspy voice was the product of chain smoking and whiskey. So, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm attempted to get there, but no, I don't chain smoke. If you're listening, no, mom but, <laughs> or dad. <laughs> the whiskey we're not denying is what's being said. Oh my god, I was just about to make Dennis sound like an alcoholic. Do you know how much whiskey Dennis drinks? No, I, I'm Irish and Scottish. I, I'm okay with whiskey. I will drink some whiskey okay. now and then. Do I prefer it? No, I prefer red wine. I actually don't drink that much. I know I sound like an alcoholic right now, but I do <laughs> not drink that much. Kristen can attest I have a full wine rack. In she, she does, but she, she appreciates wine. I, it I appreciate a nice wine now and she then. She appreciates a nice glass of um, Merlot. Or Before we started, I said, do you want an adult beverage? <laughs> <laughs> and literally all I have to offer her is some cognac that I needed to make Christmas dinner. <laughs> Some whiskey or red wine. So the, the point being that if we wanted to voice Pazuzu at the end of this day, we probably could. I don't have any cigarettes, though. So. Um, this film earned 10 Oscar nominations in 1974, including Best Picture, and it's the first horror film to do so. Oh. Yeah, so that, that's what the Metaflaws article said anyway. It was the first time that a horror movie was recognized for that. And I can see why. This is a really, I mean, not to give too much away, but this movie's really good. Um, <laughs> uh, and there was also a Best Actress nomination for Linda Blair, who plays Reagan, who's the young girl that gets possessed in the film. Um, but that was met with some controversy because originally Mercedes McCambridge, the voice of Pazuzu, she didn't want credit, apparently, because she didn't want to take away from Linda Blair's performance, but then later regretted that. And so more and more people found out about her contribution, and so... 
people kind of thought that the, the nomination of Blair wasn't that great, but honestly, with what Linda Blair has to go through to be this character, right? honestly, you know, I mean, the voice is a lot of it, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so... These are just some random facts. I think you did a much better job of talking oh, about really? this. I'm like sitting here. I'm like, you're so professional. Talking, I was, no, oh I was my God. so not professional. You no, you were. You talked about like the the um, the evolution of the storyline and all this and that. That's the right color, right? It's supposed to be yes, orange. It's orange. Okay. It's orange. No, I can't, we can't get into the pink. I the pink is the pink, bad. The pink is bad. <laughs> but like me, because true true to form in my life. Now that I've gotten more homework to do, I literally did this at nine thirty last night. So, you know, but you should see things. she has this neat little outline. Some, my notes about the shine and I literally read off of the phone. My phone. Some some things never change, guys. I'm always going to be going to do my homework the night before. <laughs> so okay. So my next little bullet point is that Jason Miller, who plays Father Damien Karras. It was a last-minute substitution. Uh, they earlier considered Jack Nicholson. <laughs> and we would have spent the whole movie going, he's going to go crazy. <laughs> which, you know, you got if you listen to the last episode, which while you're not starting with episode one, I don't know. I but. don't know. I think he could have pulled off the role. He could have. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something very brave yet controversial right now. The Exorcist right now, it has a better story than The Shining Dead. Oh, my God. By leaps and bounds. Leaps and bounds. Because don't get me wrong, Jack Nicholson was great in The Shining. It just, the story was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the story of The Exorcist. But, like, I feel like it's not that hard to be a better told story than The Right, right. The you have to also realize most of The Shining is psychological. It does happen mm. within the novel itself. It happens a lot in Jack's head, in Danny's head, yeah. in Tony's head, in Dick's head. Mm. Not in Wendy's head. No, but she does get to experience it earlier than Wendy in the movie, but whatever. We digress. It's all the shiny episode. (laughs) Um, So they earlier considered Jack Nicholson, and they ended up casting actor Stacey Keach, but then William Friedkin, who was the director, saw Jason Miller in a play and recast the role. And I'm so happy that that happened because I love Father Karen's, and we'll get into that later. then a lot of people thought, and I think a lot of people know this, you probably know this, people thought the set was cursed. Mm-hmm. And some examples of that was that they, the first set of the film caught fire and everything on set except for Reagan's room uh, was, like, destroyed or, or, or what, excuse me. So the so fire, except for Reagan's room where most of the extra scenes were to be shot, was still intact. Due to the fire, the f- shooting of the film was delayed by six weeks. The first, um, oh, I put that twice. <laughs> oh my god. What? <laughs> I put the same bullet point three times. It's literally all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Oh no. So, whatever my other examples were, they're not there anymore. Okay, so there's some other stuff. Like, Re- Reagan got real sick. Linda Blair got real sick. I think she was having some mental issues and um uh what's her name who plays the mom in this uh ellen burst ellen burston she got a spinal injury yes from 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 one of the scenes yeah yeah and then the last thing that i put that was not this bullet point a fourth time was that there is an actor in here who's considered a serial killer right 
the the radiologist in the in the scene where she gets the MRI was the guy a guy named Paul Bates Bateson. Uh, he he was convicted of the murder of film industry journalist Addison Verrill and sentenced to a mi minimum of 20 years in prison. In 2003, he was released on parole, which ended after five years. Prior to his trial, police and prosecutors implicated him in a series of unsolved slayings of gay men in Manhattan, um, killings he had reportedly boasted about while in jail, bringing it up at his sentencing. Uh, no additional charges were ever brought against him, but then William Friedkin went on to make the 1980 film Cruising, which was based on a novel, was also inspired by the, by this guy who appeared in The Exorcist. So there's like a literal serial killer lurking about in the back of The Exorcist. So that's really fun. Dun 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 dun. Okay, so let's get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. The movie itself. Yes. Why don't we? I said, yes, why don't we? Oh, I thought you said, go for it. I was like, we are. That's why we're here, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, go for it, Megan. So we open. Scene. Mm -hmm. Sun. Sad. <laughs> and I watched this movie with Dennis, so we had subtitles on because he's a subtitle guy. Okay. It's in Arabic, which, as I wrote, is this considered eerie because The Exorcist was 1973? Because it's not Western slash standard. Maybe. Now, we know with cultural appropriation and all that stuff, things were often drawn from other cultures because they seemed otherworldly. Mm -hmm. um, again, not apropos in 2021. Yep. Um, but we're establishing this ancient being because yep. Father Marin yep. is at a historical dig site. Yes, because he's an archaeologist and a priest. Because you can be both. Because you can be both. I mean, just look at Indian Jones. He's an archaeologist and a... And a professor. And a professor. Of archaeology. <laughs> <laughs> They're not mutually exclusive. So. No. You can be whatever you want to be in Hollywood. Es especially if you're a girl. Absolutely. A woman. There's a, no... A lady. A lady. Um, so, during this dig, they find a medal that's from a different time period and it's the St. Joseph's Meridol, right? That's, I think so. Well, they find the little idol of Pazuzu. No, 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 they find the medal first and then he finds yeah. the idol. But before all this, we see the statue of Pazuzu. No, 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 right? that happens oh, at the end. Happens it happens later? at the end of the scene. Oh, I'm forgetting. Yes, don't worry. I marked on it. <laughs> I, I want to talk about that. <laughs> I also abbreviated Pazuzu in my notes as Paz. <laughs> because when Father Marin finds this idol, he recognizes it. He's, mm. like, unsettled by it. Yeah. And then we go through this, like, whole long scene of, like, he's, like, having tea. Mm -hmm. And then he's at some guy's house. Yeah. And the guy's like, I'm so sad you have to leave, Father. And it's just a whole lot of, like, weirdness. Like, yeah, he almost gets hit by a horse and carriage. Here. Like, there's nothing, like, established. There's yeah, nothing talked about. It's on. just odd. And then he finally ends up at this place, um, like this other dig site again. So I'm not sure. It's like runes. Two guys yeah. run out with guns and they're oh. just like, oh, it's Father Marin. We get both these away. They don't yeah. actually say that. They just walk away from him. <laughs> That's what they were thinking. But then like the wind picks up. There's wild dogs going crazy. And Father Marin looks at this giant statue with a snake penis. 
a big old giant dick. So there's a lot of parallels between this and The Shining, I'm realizing, as we talk about it. And one of them is that we've got two... Uh, two giant know, dicks? Two giant dicks. <laughs> Except this one's a, a snake dick. I mean, Pazuzu is out here, and he is ready. Yeah. He is ready to go. He is uh, I mean... <laughs> but, um... I kind of think, feel like it establishes. We see him take. Uh, we see Father Tetmaron take some mystery pills. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way he reacts to the idol of Pazuzu, I'm just gonna call him Paz, guys. Please don't hate me. Yeah. And the statue of Paz, it's like he's known to him. Yeah, he definitely um, knows some stuff. And I think I read, I read some like backstory history when I can't sleep. Like you know, you go on the IMDb and then you're on the Wikipedia rabbit hole, and it's like. There's something like, it's a god. He's like, Paz yeah, is like a god. Yeah, something like Assyrian, I think I was reading yeah. last night. And I want to say, I think he's the god of winds or something like that. I don't remember. I could be completely wrong. I wanted to say he was like a mischief or something like that, but I might just be putting that onto it because it makes sense. Okay, I am not going crazy then. In ancient, this is from Wikipedia. In ancient, he also does not have a penis snake in this this photo. In ancient Mesopotamian religion, Pazuzu was the king of the demons of the wind. I knew I read that somewhere. He also represented the southern, southwestern wind, the bearer of storms and droughts. So I feel like the wind picking up in that scene is like indicative of like Pazuzu's yeah. history. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Good for you. I definitely didn't call that. So then we flash to Georgetown. Yes, we're now in Georgetown. And you see, you know, um, I forget her name in the movie. Chris. Chris. Yes, Chris. Um, she's an actress, and they're in Georgetown shooting some movie. And when one of the opening scenes, the window in Reagan's room is open. And she goes and closes it, I think. And that's definitely some foreshadowing. See, this is this is good foreshadowing. This is unlike in The Shining, where it's like, so this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and this is going to happen. It's like, no, you just see that her window is open, and right. she goes and closes it. Well, like, before that, the reason Chris gets out of bed is she hears banging from, oh, yes. coming from the attic. Yes. And I actually noted here, sounds start straight away. So, like, in a mm. lot of horror movies, especially modern-day horror movies, where you have that haunted house trope, or yeah. even, like, a possession trope, you know, like, you get some, like backstory like the family's moving in they're so happy Mm -hmm. the child finds a weird thing and the next thing you know like someone's possessed so like we're like um we're coming into the action already happening here because another thing when you brought up about the window is it's cold in the room Mm -hmm. chris audibly visualizes that she's cold she wraps her Mm -hmm. and she shivers and yeah reagan is laying in bed with no covers on yeah so to me that is saying Something's That's already up. Something's something's happening because it you has know. to it has to start happening pretty soon with the way that the film progresses. Right, but even that first opening, like we got in um, Northern Iraq with uh, Father Marin and mm-hmm. his dick, it wasn't that long, and it did not establish that. Like I said, in modern horror movies, like you get to see the child finding the things. Yeah, like, yeah, stuff like they'll, that. They'll like lead you to right. It. Like remember in Sinister. We yeah. just watched Sinister recently together. Mm-hmm. He finds the box, and then everything starts yep. going to shit. Um, so when everyone's up the next morning, we're, Chris and Reagan have a maid, I guess, and like yeah, a man servant. Like a butler and, a, and, a, and, a and Chris has like an assistant who also watches Reagan, and she tells Carl, their butler, that there are rats in the attic, and, and he like, goes, "No, there's not, bitch. There's definitely not. My house is clean. My house is clean." 
<laughs> just like, just get some traps and put them up there. Yeah. And he's like, I'll go now. And she's like, the stores aren't open, Carl. <laughs> and I'm just like, jeez, Carl. Yeah, God, Carl. God, Carl. Come on. Get with it. Oh, my God. Um, but then we see Chris and she's at her film shoot and yeah. we meet Burke, the director, for the first yes. time. Who seems like a lot of fun. <laughs> mm. So. Yeah. I don't know if this is a fan theory. I don't know if this is something people like extrapolated. Uh, I don't know if this is implied. Okay. Or because it's basically implied that Burke was sexually harassed in Reagan. Like some people believe it was oh, implied really? that Burke was sexually harassed in Reagan. That's why he was up. Spoiler. That's why he was up in her bedroom. Um, wow. That's like, sad. <laughs> first of all, I don't see the commutations in the movie. And when I read the book, I don't remember like really reading it. And <laughs> I know, it's like, I read it, I don't know, online, on Wikipedia. Because the only time I remember him interacting with Reagan, really, is when they say that he was in her bedroom. Right. And, like, even Reagan talks, she says, to To Chris, because they're apparently, it's implied that Chris and Burke are sort of embarking on some kind of a fling or relationship or something. Right. And Reagan seems happy about it. I think it, I think it's more of, like... A fan theory than it is like an actual like implied um yeah because like i don't think pazuzu would care if reagan got sexually assaulted no 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 but i think like um like it was just a reason for why he was up in her bedroom but she but like i just kind of thought like oh you know the the assistant went out to get the the drugs or whatever and she just had him stay with her, and then maybe she needed something. Like, I didn't think at right. all about why he was in the bedroom, but, I mean, maybe. It just doesn't seem like a big thing. But. Right. We'll get into that more. But yeah. at this film shoot, she sees someone for the first time. She sees Father Damien Harris, whose face is so cute. Okay, spoiler alert for this episode. I am kind of in love with Father Harris. And I just don't see it. And you don't get it. I remember the first time we watched this, because we watched this... The first time I ever saw this, I saw it with Megan, and it was before the podcast, and I turned to her and I said, at a certain point, I was like, is it weird that I think this priest is hot? And she turns to me and she goes, yes. There was no hesitation. She's like, yes, that was weird. I think she's wrong. He is so precious and handsome and amazing. I mean, feel free to leave a comment or review about how wrong Kristen is, so... uh. About how sexy he is. How wrong she is. How wrong she is. Anyway, during the scene, I feel like it's really established that Chris is very likable. Yes. Like, she's a very relatable movie star. Mm -hmm. Like, people, like, love her. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. I would hang out with Chris. And, like, she walks home from her shoot, and Mm -hmm. it's Halloween, and there's kids everywhere, and there's beautiful, again, sound design. Sound design. There's beautiful music playing in the Mm -hmm. background. Beautifully creepy music. Yeah, I can't think of the melody right now. And then there's like nuns and it's windy and their gowns are going everywhere. It's very convenient that it's Halloween. And she sees Father Karras again. Uh huh. And he's like advising somebody. Advising somebody, yeah. Um, Because he's noble and wise. So when she gets home, I noted that Sharon is the best assistant ever. And I will continuously support my Queen Sharon (laughs) throughout this podcast. Because I literally would have handed in my two weeks notice probably like three months ago. Absolutely. 
the second creepy shit started, I would be like, I'm out. She is so loyal. I am She's out. so lovely. In fact, like, late, you know, this is a spoiler, but at the, at the end of the movie, when they leave each other, I'm like, no, you should keep her in your employee. Like, now you choose to leave, bitch? No. Yeah. No, really? Seriously. So we flash to the New York City subway, and we see Kristen's love walking his way, walking his way downtown, looking fly, not really, because he's a priest. And, um, you know what? I, I feel attacked, okay? I'm just saying. And he runs into this old homeless man who says, Help an old altar boy, father. Mm-hmm. I'm a Catholic. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's wearing his collar and everything. I, I'm just going to point out from experience, I don't think that's going to work. No. Were you ever an altar girl? Oh, yeah. Uh, so was I. Yeah. I always um, screwed up the ringing of the bell in the Eucharist. I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed bing, to do this. Bing, bing, bing. I was an altar girl. I was a lector. I was in the choir. You like, were a lector? I was a I lector. I could never have done yeah, I had a lot of issues with it. I was always get so nervous. Oh, the... reading aloud is so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you can tell, I'm not comfortable speaking. So. <laughs> um, but the whole point of the New York City is where established Damien's mom. Mm-hmm. It was this little Greek lady. Yep. Uh, who calls him Demi? Demi. Demi. Yeah, it's the most Demi. annoying nickname in the world. It's cute. It's not cute. First of all, why do you name your child Damien? Have you never seen The Omen? <laughs> she had. <laughs> Did The Omen come out after this? I don't know. I feel like the omens were the omen was. The omen was in the seventies, I think. We I know. Should, we should There's, definitely do that for this. Oh yeah, we're definitely going to do I've the omen. I've never seen that. I've oh, never seen the omen. No, because I'm still new. Seventy six, so it did come out after this. Oh, okay. But I think it was so based no. on a book. Maybe so it was. So did she ever read the book? The omen. <laughs> Maybe oh. it wasn't based on a book. Everything seems to be based on. A book it just says Gregory Peck, who is my. Atticus Finch. Atticus <laughs> <laughs> You can tell we're millennials. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Anyway, so Mrs. Karras is elderly. Yep, and she lives in this apartment in New York. And, and she can tell that Damien is unhappy being a priest. I, I, you know what? I don't think he's unhappy being a priest. I think he's unhappy being a psychiatrist priest. I think it's a combination, because later on he says that his faith is wavering or he yeah. lost yeah. it. Um, but then, because he's complicated. But then that's enough of the Karises, because now we see Reagan making things out of clay, which will come into play later. Creepy child art is a big trope. But this is when she tells her mother about the Ouija board that she found, and this yeah. is where I think it's great because modern horror movies we would have had this whole scene with Reagan mm-hmm. finding the Ouija board, yep, using absolutely. it for the first time, having like a seizure or getting like a shudder, uh-huh. and it's not. It's like. Hey, she's using the sweetie board, mm. and like, she's already possessed. Yeah, she's it's it's done at this point. You know, because she talks about it working for her. Right, and, and we Captain we Howdy. we see the planchette move. Yep, by itself, and like this whole thing, and it's like, oh, Captain Howdy. But the establishment of this is that Reagan is a very sweet girl. She's so cute. She's so sweet. She loves her mother so, so much. much. She's so polite. She's very soft spoken, mm. which changes in like twenty minutes. Well, but yeah. she's and very polite. Soft. She's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they talk about what they want to do for her birthday. I and know, and she's like, "You can bring your boyfriend." I right. Like she's a sweet girl, and there's like a whole um, 
you know, there's a whole Chris and her, I guess, ex-husband. They're going through a tumultuous divorce. It's that part where yes. it's very quick, but Reagan has, like, a tabloid that says, like, yes. trouble in the McNeil house. And it's yeah. like, you know, her father doesn't call her for her birthday. There's, mm-hmm. like, a lot of, like, issues there. Yeah. And despite all this, Reagan is a very sweet person. Yeah, she's just, she's such a sweet, and they have such a lovely relationship. Yeah. And then, um... Oh, and when I just wanted to point out for my own sake that when they're talking about Burke and like bringing him possibly on her birthday, Chris says, "I like pizzas too, but I'm not going to marry one." Which honestly, why not? I would marry pizza if I could. I, just... I feel like that was such a childhood insult, and I don't know if it came from this. Like when you would say to, maybe it was just my family. It had to be other people too. <laughs> like you would say, "Oh, like I love ice cream," and somebody would be like, "Well, if you love it so, so much, much why don't you marry it?" <laughs> Anyway, so Chris was originally <laughs> starting that. Yes, but honestly, marry a pizza if you ever get a chance. So then we find out that um, Karis wants to quit priesthood, yes, psychiatry, because he all of it. Lost his faith, or he thinks that he has. My my poor baby. I, it's not that I dislike Karis. I, I you don't like. I said do you? it. I said it's not like that. I dislike Karis. I didn't think you did, but now I do. It's just he's. Oh, it's just... He's struggling, Megan. He's I'm a complicated man. I'm not saying he's not struggling. He's struggling with his faith and his place in the world and his relationship with his mother and what he wants out of life. He is noble. He is wise. He is Damien Karras. And he's dead. <laughs> Spoilers! Anyway. Whatever. Reagan mentions to her mom that her bed shakes. But wait a minute, what were you going to say? It's not that I dislike him, but... I I just don't love him like you do. Well, you're wrong, and I'm right. Um, So Reagan complains that her bed shakes. Chris hears the noises again. Mm -hmm. And this was like, I wrote on on running my notes that there's a small start. That there's noises in the attic, there's bed Mm -hmm. shaking. And the best thing is Chris is up in the attic and she's like looking for these rats and their traps are in and her candle just explodes i know i have that right here i'm like how does that happen to you and then you're not just running the fuck out and then carl's behind her like are you okay mom and like it's like a little bit of a jump scare because you're not expecting carl to be there but i'm like your candle just fucking exploded i know like you just sprayed some alcohol at it or something like and she's like i'm okay with this she just doesn't even, like, clock it. It's just, it's so weird. I have no idea how you don't just run to the hills immediately. And then our next scene is the desecration of the statues inside yep. the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's not really gone into in the movie, but in the book, there okay. was a whole bunch of, like, like, Karis mentions to detective, the detective later about the black mm-hmm. mass and stuff like that. Yeah. That is covered a little bit more in-depthly in okay. the book. Um, like, you know, they think, like, this desecration is from a bunch of satanic rituals satanic rituals and that there's like this whole like black mass and like they go into it like things that are done at the black mass and i'm like i don't need to read this like (laughs) it's uh, a horror book it was uncomfortable to say the least but like (laughs) oh lord (sighs) it's like it's more covered in the book um but it's like it's never really answered but it's implied that it's reagan who did it Oh, really? Because in the book? Because in, I like didn't even... In the book and in the movie. 
It's so slow, you guys. That's why the detective later, when he picks up the clay pieces, (gasps) they were made out of clay. I'm dumb. (laughs) I just kind of thought it was just like a thing that happened because Pazuzu's like around. But of course, if he's possessing Reagan, then she must have done it. Right. I will say my one complaint about this movie is the time. Yeah, it I, jumps around. It jumps a lot. around a lot. And my husband, Dennis, actually, and I, when we were watching this last night, he said to me, I'm so confused about the timeline. Mm-hmm. Because after the desecration of the statues, now all of a sudden we see Damien's mother is in a mental hospital. Yeah. Um, like the movie's not really, like, it's almost the opposite of The Shining in that it doesn't, it's not about, like, explaining anything to you. It's just like, here's something that happens, and then here's something that happens, you know, that you can fill in those gaps in time. Right. But I think it might be a little bit too much. Right. Because it's like, we see her in this mental hospital. She guilts Kara. She's mm-hmm. like, why would you do this? You know, um, his uncle's a real douche. He says, if you weren't oh a God. priest, your mother would be in a yeah. penthouse because you would be a famous psychiatrist. And it's God. like, and we find out later that the priesthood put Damien through medical school. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a little douchey to say, because if he wasn't a priest, he probably wouldn't be a psychiatrist. Because yeah. clearly, based on Mrs. Carrick's yeah, well, state of life, he didn't have the money to go to medical yeah, school. Yeah, his uncle's just ridiculous. But I I thought in that scene, it was really interesting that when Damien was walking through to his mother, all of the patients are like coming at him. And that's kind of like, that was like a Jesus thing. Like Jesus is walking through, like near the end of his life, it's just like, you know, please get away from like you're too, you're crowding me. You're doing mm-hmm. too much, and it felt like he was having sort of like a Jesus moment because, of course, as Megan so uh, you know carelessly mentioned before, my poor Damien has to sacrifice himself in the noblest way possible later on in the film. So it's kind of like he a Jesus slaps thing. a young girl, Kristen. <laughs> She's possessed. <laughs> She's literally possessed. But it just seemed like they're kind of setting up him to be like a Christ figure almost. Right. And after this scene in the hospital, we see Damien punch in a bag because he used to be a boxer. He used to be a boxer because he's strong. But now we're at Chris's party. And there's an astronaut and a priest and a whole bunch of other people. And Burke is drunk and he's calling Carlo Nazi. Uh And... At this party, and this is where it kills me, because we literally just saw her mother in the hospital. Chris asked uh, Father Dwyer, Dyer, Father Dyer, Dyer who's there. Yeah. And who first of all, Father Dyer... Really cool priest, too. Like, um, this is the coolest priest I'm in this pretty, movie. Well, no, here's the thing. I feel like Father Dyer... Uh, I don't want to assume anyone's identity. Yeah. I felt like if it wasn't that time, he probably would have been just a gay man. Yeah. Because, yeah, that seems to be the implication. Yeah, because he's like, he's like, let me play the piano, take mm-hmm. me up to space, and he's a great character. Do not yeah, get me he's wrong. He's wonderful. I love, I love him. him. I go to church a lot more. My <laughs> priest is like Father Dyer. <laughs> um, but uh, he, um, Chris says, "Oh, who's that priest I always say by Saint Michael's?" And Dyer says, "Oh, it's Father Karras. His mother just died last night." So mm-hmm. I'm like. Yeah, so they the completely gloss over that. first time I watched it when I was, like, old enough to understand what was going on, mm-hmm. I was like, is he just telling people that his mom died? Because he's, like, embarrassed that she's in a mental hospital? Which is, like, really, like... I don't think so. I think that's one no, of those No, no, no. She, she really died. Yeah, she absolutely... <laughs> it's one of those things that they just jump over it. You know? But I was like, oh. <laughs> like, I was just like, that's all mean. Like, you're embarrassed at your mother's mental state. And it's yeah. like... Then I realized that no, no she's actually she dead. actually died. So, um, 
I just want to mention, and I forgot to do this in the last episode, but there is, this is going to be a segment called Kristen's Barometer Quarter, because I have noticed in my life that many set pieces over many years of television or film have always had barometers in the background. And in The Shining, there is one in Stuart Ullman's office, and here there is a big one in by the, the stairs at the party. So, And you see it later during the exorcism This scene. has been Kristen's Barometer Quarter. Go ahead. <laughs> Megan does not have a barometer. You should get one. Um, so I wrote again, Sharon is the best assistant because she helps Chris get the drunk Burke. Yeah, out. she's the greatest. But Carl and Burke basically comes to fist blows, which yep. is later when the detective thinks that Carl killed Burke. Yeah. All that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then probably... One of the baddest bitch moments in this movie. <laughs> Reagan comes downstairs, oh, and they're all go. singing. And Reagan looks at the astronaut, and she goes, "You're going to die up there," and then pees on the carpet like a boss. Like a boss. <laughs> it is a power move, ladies and gentlemen. She is marking that territory. This is what you do. She's telling the astronaut that he' going to die. She knows. She knows. This is. A bad bitch. You know. Next time I want some, I'm just gonna walk into my boss's office and I'm gonna be like, Give You are getting you are giving me a raise. I'm just gonna piss. Yeah, on the floor. And what's she gonna do? She's gonna have to give you a raise. Cause what do you do? She might fire me. Well, it's probably ill advised. Don't try that at home. But Yes, we do not recommend going into anyone's <laughs> house and being on the phone. Unless you're two and then you should not be listening to this. And I have this note, I don't know if this already happened. But uh, Father Karras has that dream. Oh, that hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened no, yet. No, that hasn't happened yet. Um, where is my dream sequence? So I literally just write, like, everything that I'm thinking. And maybe one day you can buy my notes. <laughs> uh, At least hers are legible. I oh, no, no, no. I only write, I, I write in script. So if you can't you read. Do. Sc- you do. I do. I do not. Where is the dream sequence? I didn't write down what everything it was, but he's like... Oh, here we go. So it's... um, He's in the city. So so no, it's after this. So she pees like a boss. Um, (laughs) Hashtag pees like a boss. Chris gives her a bath. And Reagan realizes at this point something is wrong with her. And she asks her mom, Mom, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And... um, the mom's like, you know, the doctor said... So it's, like, established that they know something's going wrong and that this, mm-hmm. she's seen doctors and she's on yeah, medication. she's been sick. And I think she says, oh, she's been sick. Right. And it's like, you need to take your medication, sweetie. And Chris goes downstairs and... Um, her name starts with a W. The woman, the maid is washing the carpet. Yeah, I don't and all of a sudden, Reagan starts screaming and Chris runs upstairs and Reagan's bed that is, is shaking. And, and Chris hops onto it with her. So, this Only is the like first time Chris around. has seen this. Yeah. And then we get Damien Dreaming. Yes, excuse me, I skipped over that So part. there's, a, as I wrote, a born interlude of Damien being sad. Um, excuse me? Dreams of... Are you, are you minimizing the sadness of my Damien? He dreams of the medallion. He dreams dogs, of Dogs. Yep. Clocks. And mother... And during the stream of his mom, when she's walking up the subway, uh-huh. there is a quick, creepy flash of a demon face. Of our man, Pazuz. A pass. 
And this dream ends with Reagan screaming. Because now Reagan she's... Screaming. Yeah, because she's at the doctor's. Yeah. Thing. And what I... The note that I made in this is, like, is Pazuzu after Damien? Well, he does say, and we'll get to this later, remind me when we get to the, um... I have it noted here. When we get to that, we'll discuss that. Okay. That, that's, that was the note that I put. Was that, that, like, the reason for all this. But, yeah, she's at the doctor's office. Um, and she's screaming at the doctor. She's fighting. And this is intercut with a mass that Damien is saying. Yes. Father Karras. Sorry. I keep on using Damien Father Karras. Me too. Interchangeably. Because he has um, a beautiful name. And this is my, one of my favorite parts. The doctor comes out from the test and lights up a cigarette. Mm-hmm. We do not condone smoking. 70s. The 70s people. Um, and she and Reagan is diagnosed with a brain lesion and saying that Chris, who says the bed was shaking, yeah. they're like, well, it was just muscle spasms, sweetie. And if I swear to God, if we get one more movie when someone is dismissing a woman's word. Mm-hmm. I put down, literally I wrote down, this doctor is dumb. She said the bed was in the air <laughs> because it was. Yeah. And so Reagan is sedated for more tests, and apparently, read this on, I think, IMDb, this scene is where the most people would pass out, because it's when the needle goes into her neck and the blood spurts out. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what's the deal with that? Why did they have to bleed her like that? No, I think it's just the vein that they put it in. It, uh, they, oh, it was, that was just or, sedative? Yeah. Because I was like, okay. No, because the vein they put it in, it's like... Pressure. Okay, because I, I didn't kind of get why they were doing that, but it was a sedative. I wasn't thinking about that. All I know. Yeah, is, it was, it's really hard to watch. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 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 funny, like what your tolerance for things are. Yeah. Because something like, like with, like if they were putting a needle in her eye, like I wouldn't be able to watch it. Yeah. But. Who knows? Yeah, it's but it, things get icky with things like eyes and yeah. fingernails or like very specific parts right. of the body where you know a very specific pain. Right, right. Where the neck is like not insensitive. Right, but I can understand why people would be. Yeah, absolutely. Unnerved by that because the blood does. Yeah. Spurt. It spurts everywhere. You know, and um, because they're running. I think that's the needle that they're putting the dye in or something. Like yeah, that, or so. whatever they're doing to her. But anyway. So the scans are clear. After all that, everything's clear. Yeah. And um, the doctors are talking, and they get called to come to Chris's house. Yeah. And this is where we see Reagan spasming, like she's doing that, oh, like yeah, she's up, and up, down, and down, up, up and down, up and down, up and down. And she starts cursing, and there's the demonic voice, and she's saying like, "Fuck me, fuck me." You don't have to be quiet. <laughs> there are people upstairs, yeah. Kristen. There are people upstairs. <laughs> and then is that the part with the with the crucifix? No, no, crucifix comes later. Oh, um But like Reagan is still there. Yeah. So like the demonic voice is saying stuff and you can hear help me, help yeah. me like Reagan is yeah, still there at like, this point. But it's getting more and more yeah. demon than it is Reagan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um and then Chris is like they're basically saying, Hey, lady your daughter is just a temporary alone and chris is like it's not like you guys have to stop yeah, and they're finally just... like you need to get a psychiatrist but like i like i feel so bad for them at this yeah. point because like it's so devastating when there's something wrong 
yeah and you with your child and nobody can tell you what it is something wrong when it's when it's you but mm-hmm. it's even more so when it's your child when like it's your child yeah i mean i would imagine um and you ha- your life is just chaos and you right. don't know what the heck's going right. on right and no one's giving you answers and and people are dismissing you right And especially as a woman, people dismissing you. And um, she actually says later in the movie to Father Karras, who dismisses her. Mm -hmm. Which, okay, I'll give you that. Uh, But she goes, He's not perfect. You put my exact, Reagan's exact double in that room. And I would know that it was not my daughter. Right. That thing is not my daughter. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they say parents now. Yeah. You know. Um, So. This is a great scene. Is this the hypnotizing, the hypnosis scene? No, no, no. That's a little bit later. Sorry. I took crappy notes. No, no, I didn't take the crappy notes. No, now Chris is coming home from the doctor. So the doctors are coming inside. Chris comes home from the doctors. And she drives past these stairs. And there's the cop present. This this is is the Burke death scene. Yeah. So, um... So... Chris walks in, the phone's ringing, no one's on the other end, the lights are flickering, and the Mm. window in Reagan's room is open. She covers up Reagan, Uh and she's looking for Sharon, who, again, best assistant ever. Yeah. And she finds out that Burke was there, and Burke has apparently left. And then they find out that Burke is dead. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. And apparently that he fell down the stairs, all of those big stairs... And that his head was turned completely around. Because if Pazuzu cares about anything, it's branding. <laughs> Nothing like a little neck snap and again in the mood. You, you've got to have a calling card. Yeah. So then they think it's because he's drunk. Mm-hmm. Originally. And then Reagan is put under her no- hypnosis. This is yes. a hypnosis scene. Yes. And she is. says that somebody is inside of her. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the psychiatrist is talking to the person inside of her, and mm-hmm. there's a growling, a foul odor. Reagan is now cruel and grabs the gentleman by, by his balls. testicles. <laughs> but I, I do want to say that it's a really striking image that she's sitting there with her right. hand up. I don't know why her hand, or it's like this. I, I don't know why I her think hand they were just using that as a control. I don't know a ton I don't know, about but it hypnosis. It makes for really creepy. Image. But even the way her face changes when yeah. she's Reagan versus when she's the demon. Which could Linda Blair. Oh, Hell yeah. A plus. A plus plus. <laughs> um, also, I have been told that it is incredibly painful. Neither Kristen nor I are in possession of testicles. Um, no, we're not. But I have been told that is not incredibly painful. Not that that's any of your business. <laughs> I mean, I might have a pair of testicles somewhere. <laughs> I mean, metaphorical ones, sure. Um, so now we meet yeah, the worst guy. character in this entire movie. So bad, I didn't even write his name down. I just called him Detective Douche the entire time. <laughs> he is annoying, but he's I not, like, terrible. hate Detective Douche. Okay. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I did not have these I strong feelings. I will go on record I'm not saying him, though, so. Detective Douche is the worst person ever. Like, fictional or not? No, I mean, Umbridge <laughs> is worse than him, but... <laughs> Det- oh, I was going to say, like, Hitler is worse than him. <laughs> Detective Douche is the worst person in this movie. Okay. Even the demon who murdered someone is not well, worse than the He does have dude. that really cringe moment of like, could you please give me your autograph to Chris? Right, oh, but that's not even the worst part. I mean, that, no, granted, he did put two and two together. 
and like figured out that yes. Burke, you know, but he's so obnoxious. He is Because first of all, he meets Damien first, yes. right? Damien's running. Yeah. He's jogging his little booty off and the detective's <laughs> like, Father Karras. And he's like, do I know you? And the detective's like, no, they told me to look for a guy who looks like a boxer. You know who you look like? You look like... And, and it's like this whole big thing. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. He wants Damien to break confidentiality. He does. Confidentiality as a psychiatrist, confidentiality is, yes. as a priest, which... Mm, and Absolutely. he threatens him, threatens him, and he makes it all like jokingly. And he's like, you know, a psychiatrist down in blah 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 was put in jail yep. for blah blah blah. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you hate this man. I hate this man. I do not appreciate anybody asking anyone to break confidentiality. HIPAA is a real thing, people. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in '73, but, but the vows of priesthood was still real. Damien, being. The amazing person he is says, you know, I would just put it down to a matter of confession and it walks away. All right. And he still even urges him to break the confession. I will say, Damien has a great moment here. When de- oh, many great moments. When Detective Douche is like, so tell me, Father, who do you think it was? And Father Karras goes, you know what? I think I know who it was. It was the Dominicans. Go ask them. Which, by the way, that sounds... I'm not talking about people from the Dominican Dominican Republic. Republic. There is an order of brother, and they're the Dominicans. Father, he's a a Marist? No. No, legit Jesuit? Yes, he's a Jesuit. Sorry. Society of Joseph. Yeah, Yeah, I should know that. St. Joseph. (laughs) Loyola. All those people down there. Mm -hmm. Jesuits. Um, So Dominicans are different. Yes, it's a different order of priesthood. Yes, not Dominican Republics. Um, so I actually wrote chef's kicks, kiffs for that joke. Because he's amazing and you know it. Okay. So now we're back to Reagan. <laughs> yes, Kristen. Okay. And her body is breaking down. And mm-hmm. the shrinks suggest maybe it's like a medical possession and gives the best pickup line ever. And if I wasn't a married woman, the last time, next time I was at the bar, I was used this. I would just roll up to someone and be like, you ever heard of an exorcism? <laughs> Oh my god. I do have to give the doctors credit, though, for being the ones who finally bring it up. Yeah, they could have brought it up an hour ago. I know. But it's really frustrating to see Chris in the room with them and just being like, you people keep telling me it's this, it's that, it's everything else. You know, I just need, I need some kind of answer or whatever. And so he finally says that. And I'm like, thank you, because... Right. She needs one. So then the doctors run through and they're like, the Catholics keep it in the closet, among other things. <laughs> that's not, that's for another podcast. And then, row, Chris finds a secret crucifix under Reagan's pillow. Yep. Um, and Detective Douche finds Clay at the bottom of the stairs. Mm-hmm. Where, what's his face was found? Burke. Yep. Um, and then Detective Douche shows up at Chris's house. And this is also where Detective Douche earned his name, Detective Douche. Chris tells him that Regan is sedated because she's not doing well. Mm-hmm. And Detective Douche goes, it's because of the drafts. You can't have a drafty house. She's sick because of the drafts. And oh I'm like, God. you stupid fuck. <laughs> I have a lot of strong feelings about this man. And I apologize for the strong use of curse words. But there is nothing worse than someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, trying to explain medical things to people. It's because of the draft. Yeah, the draft your ass is going to feel when my foot comes up to kick it. <laughs> it's not the draft. It's not the draft. 
Nothing is because of the draft. <laughs> and then he like like casually accuses Reagan of murder. And then it's like, can I have your autograph? <laughs> that was so, that is so cringy. And he's like, I lied. It was for me. I loved you in this movie. And I'm like, dude, not the fucking time. Not the time. Not cool, dude. Not cool. <laughs> so anyway, Reagan thankfully waits until Detective Douche leads. To start screaming? To start screaming. And this is the crucifix stamping scene. Ah, uh, yes. And this is terrible and horrible. And I, like, cringe every time I watch it. Because, and you know, um, Reagan is literally stabbing her feminine mystique. <laughs> oh, my God. With um, genitals. With a crucifix. And then she grabs her mother's hat and tells her to... Yeah, fill in the blanks, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just put it this way. Chris ends up with blood all over her face. Yes, but I just wanted to say about this part is that before I had ever seen this movie, I knew about this part because it's one of those famous parts that, like, oh, she masturbates with a crucifix or whatever. But I never pictured it in exactly the way that it goes down. It's It's violent. It's violent, but to me... Yeah, like, I, and maybe this just is something that's bad about me, or says something weird about me, but, like, I always imagined that she was, like, actually masturbating with it, if you get what I mean. Like, just having, which is so, to me, is so much more disturbing of a thought process than just having, like, it being jammed somewhere. And it's very violent, but I was like, oh, this is not what I thought. Maybe that's because there's something wrong with me, but I don't know. (laughs) No, it's, 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 um... It's definitely a scene, just I can tell whole, you that. And that whole part with her mother. Right. Is just and then, like, Chris gets thrown, and this is where uh, Ellen hurt her back. Yeah, where she hurt yeah. her back. And then Reagan's head turns around, mm-hmm. mimicking Burke, and she says in Burke's voice, Do you know what she did? Yeah. I'm not going to repeat that because I hate the word. Mm-hmm. Your C in daughter. C U N T I N G daughter. Yeah. Um,. So yeah, that's a scene, and that, that scene a, is terrifying. That's a scene. It's uncomfortable. It's even after seeing the movie two or three times, it's a difficult scene to get through. I don't know. It doesn't bother me though. It, it just the violence of it just bothers it's me. It's very violent. You know, and then Chris and Damien finally meet. Yep. And he tells her that exorcism doesn't happen anymore and just dismisses her because he's a terrible person. He's not a terrible person. It's a weird thing to be confronted with, okay? So Chris is like, can you just come take a look at her? And Harris is like, sure, I guess I can. But it's like, I feel okay, like now... he doesn't speak like that. He has yeah. the voice of an angel. He does not. Anyway. He's like a constant... I feel like Reagan now is a constant demon. And mm-hmm. this is what happens. Like, he imitate The demon imitates a homeless man that he met mm-hmm. going up to see his mother. Um, like, Karis tries to question him, but he doesn't answer to the prompts mm-hmm. and then violently throws up instead. Yep. And it's a, that famous fact of, like, he didn't know that was coming, so Jason Miller's reaction... Yeah. vomit is real like pea soup and tubing yeah yeah um and then we get this nice little scene where chris is laundering his shirt and i'm gonna call bs here because you have a maid and you I have know, an assistant and there too. is no way you know how to I wash and iron too. clothes i was like there's no way she's ironing no, this that's shirt not happening. Right. It doesn't make sense. 
Um, but she does advocate for her daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and Detective Douche is watching the house and sees Karis leave, but he also sees a shadow in Reagan's window. Oh, I, yeah. I definitely and it's that. like, Chris told him, Reagan's like, can't leave the bed. And she's mm-hmm. like sedated and stops. So. Dun, 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 dun. And then it's mass again. <laughs> yep. They go back to mass a lot. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like, I knew that part by heart because it's the consecration. So it's like, this yeah. is my body, this is my blood, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And then Karis goes back to see Reagan and we get the famous line, what an excellent day, day for an exorcism. And then, this is where, when we were talking about earlier, the demon says to Karis, he goes, Karis said you would like an exorcism. And he says to him, it would bring us together. So I do think the demon. Yes. Sorry, we talked about that like 40 minutes ago. No, I know. And I completely forgot to remind you, as I knew I would. But um, yeah, I'm just questioning whether or not Pazuzu's real goal is Damien for whatever reason. Well, if you think about it, if the goal is to corrupt as much people as possible, a priest is... A priest would be a good choice. Over, yeah. Yeah, but I do want to say about this part where they're just kind of calmly talking to yeah. one another. It's like I want to see a buddy comedy with like the series of Damien. They're two best friends, and they search for mysteries. Pazuzu and Timmy. Because <laughs> this one moment is very there's like a lot of levity, like. Pazuzu like opens the drawer and Damien's like, did you do that? He's like, do it again. And he's like, no. (laughs) Like, I want to see this movie. (laughs) I'm not your bitch, bitch. (laughs) Um, So it's like, it feels like the demon's like playing with Damien this because he like reacts to the holy water. That's not really water. It's tap water. And we'll bring this up later, but he can, the demon continues to react to holy water. Right. Like during the actual exorcism itself. So, it's like almost like is he playing with him or is he is not um you know and damien's like oh i think she just needs help and chris is like she murdered burke and damien's like okay (laughs) (laughs) um and then like reagan starts screaming and she and he takes the recorder of her speaking backwards Mm -hmm. and during that time um, when they play it back, she mentions Marin by name. Right. So that's the first time we hear the demon mention Marin. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, that was a really creepy part to me where he played it backwards and it was like, help me. Yeah. And then it was like, I am no one. Right. And I was like, I wrote this down. I was like, how many, like, points of evidence does the frigging church need from right. all of this stuff? Right. Like, come on. Right. I will say the interesting fact is when... Chris brought up exorcism to Father Karras and he was all like, um, that's not done anymore. Like, uh-huh. you're crazy. He's Well, he didn't say you're crazy. He's like, you know, she needs psychiatrist help. Like, I'm a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen these. These people claim they're God, they're the devil. Like, yep. you know, we know more about mental illness than we ever had. Right. And it's like, she's like, I've done that already. Like, I've exhausted those yeah. options. Um, I do want to give Damien that, genuinely. Because, like, exorcism was done more widely in the olden days when people didn't really know that much about mental illness or want to acknowledge a mental illness. And at least he does have that forethought of, like, 
you know, because he didn't know that she had been through all this right. stuff to say, like, get her checked out. Right. And even the medical professionals at this point are saying it's a, like a mental right possession like she believes she's possessed and right. so we think this not that we think she's actually possessed we think this religious ceremony will help her because it will make her yeah, think it, like a placebo yeah um although when you see her face and like all of the stuff that her body's yeah her body like, that doesn't i i don't know of an illness besides maybe like syphilis or something <laughs> that is gonna do that to your face i mean there's there's issues of self-harm and stuff like that but even like her eye changing right um but i will say this next scene is always the scariest scene for me it's when sharon calls damien to come Mm -hmm. and they go in and the demons wheeze in and it's cold and they pull up her shirt and it says help me on her stomach yeah Oh, I can't. That shit is I can't. No, so <laughs> I don't know if you know this. I have a skin condition called dermatographism. Okay. So I literally can write on my skin. So now I have to see it. Well, if I have, I'll it. if I have like pressure applied to my skin, it's gonna take like ten minutes. I will welt. This will welt. This will welt. And um, it's even. I can see it. Yeah. Look, so it, it starts to welt. Yeah, it will start to welt, and like I can literally write things on my skin. Have you ever done that to scare Dennis? No, <laughs> he, he makes fun of my skin condition. Um, but like, Great. if I scratch myself, like if I'm like if my skin's itching and I scratch, I welt. I thought I actually had a picture of it that I could show you, but so that always scared me because I knew my skin mm-hmm. could write like that. I was like, what if somebody writes message on me when I'm sleeping yeah. and I'm like possessed? But it also like implies that she's just like wrapped up in a little ball inside of her like body. in her tummy. <laughs> she's like, I'm in my tummy. Like somebody it, let me out. It gives like a new meaning to Tony lives in my mouth. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. So I do have a picture of it. Look. Holy shit! What does it say? It's, it's hardcore. It's, oh, oh my god! Yeah. If we ever get a an Instagram, we'll put it up there. That is so much more intense than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So, like, yeah, Ooh. that will start welting up. That's crazy. Does it hurt? Like, does it... No. Ooh. But it's like anytime pressure is applied to my skin, it's like I welt. Oh, wow. So, like, um, like when I get a bug bite, like, it uh-huh. looks huge and stuff oh, like man. that. And oh, my God. I don't think I ever knew that about you. I know it sounds terrible, but, like... If, like, somebody smacks me or something, like, I'll have a handprint on me. Uh-huh. Um, I was playing wiffle ball with my family once. I got hit in the face with the ball. Uh-huh. And my sister's like, I think your nose is broken really swollen. But what had happened was I had, I had the literal, like, the wiffle ball. You know, it's hollow. Yeah, it has, like, cutouts on it. I had the cutouts welted up on my face. Oh, God. Yeah. So that part has always scared me. Yeah, I can see why it would. So this, I guess, convinces Damien that there's a real possession going on. Yeah. And he goes to the church. And the church is like, let's get Marin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then... And apparently they talk about him being really old, but one of the things that I read last night was that he was only 44, Max von Sydow. And they had to put him in makeup. Because he looks really old in it. And all I can think is, I just saw him in a movie where... Just sort of in something. Yeah. Not recently, like yeah. three or four years back. I'm like, he looks exactly the same age as he did in the 70s. How is yeah. that possible? No, they, they, put, they put makeup on him. Oh. And well. apparently Marlon Brando was considered for that role, too. 
but they didn't. I'm glad they didn't go that direction. Yeah, because I think, I think Friedkin, I think it was Friedkin said, like, it'll just become a Brando movie yeah. then. So, and he's right. So we get Marion pulls up to Chris's house, mm-hmm. and we get that iconic that shot, shot so of him standing in the fog mm-hmm. with the lamppost and the lights. Oh. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Oh, it it's is beautiful. Shot. Yep. And as second he steps in the house, the demon is screaming for mm-hmm. him. And it's like... Because he wanted him, too, I guess. Yeah. Well, because it's implied that they've met already. So yeah, when absolutely. they talk about bringing Marin in, they talk about how he had done an exorcism several years yeah. back that lasted a couple months. And so I always took it to mean because he recognized Pazuzu at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was the demon from that possession. Right. And so, you know... They're like getting ready, and Damien's like, "Let me tell you about the case." And Marin's like, "You don't need to tell me." And Damien's like, "There's three possessions." And Darren, and Marin's like, "There's only, only one. one." Yeah, because because Pazuzu says like a like it's with us or whatever. Like talks about like that there's a bunch of demons, right? Right. But there isn't. Right. Um, the demon really has it out for Marin. Yeah, absolutely. And the actual exorcism scene is creepy. It is. Like, you've got the demon face from earlier, like the actual Pazuzu Uh face intercut with Reagan's face. You get Reagan's tongue. You get Violin in. You get the plaster crack in. Furniture flying. The head turning. Reagan's floating. Yeah. Like, screaming, yelling, cursing. It's a lot. You know, Damien's told not to interact with the demon, which he does because he's a horrible person. Um, he is not a horrible person. He was under a lot of strain, and Pazuzu is going after his relationship with his mother, and his mom just died, and he has a lot of guilt. He's a complicated man. A lot of feelings. And we get the great, the power of Christ compels you with the holy word. And it's like, as they sprinkle her, like, cuts open on her body. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that... A great scene. It's fantastic. I thought it was really interesting that the demon really reacts to, like, the holy water and things like that. Because I feel like Pazuzu just talks a lot of game, like, like you can't stop me, you can't do this or that, but, like, the old tropes of, like, crosses and, well, not crosses, but, like, the holy water, like, really but, do, does harm him. And, and even the prayers and stuff yeah, the like prayer, that. prayers. You know, and then we get the scene where, like, penis statue is back, and Reagan's, oh like, God, that on shot the bed, is crazy. and she's, like, oh, it's... That shot is it's, so... Yeah, it's another creepy. And it's it's, yeah, it's creepy and it's scary. And so far, it's like at this point, I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, like watching through my fingers. There's so much going on. Um, and then they take a break because everyone needs a nap. (laughs) Listen, kids, if you're ever doing an exorcism, make sure you take a nap. Mm -hmm. And then we get more of Marin's like mysterious pills and like you know, um, and Damien's like. My mommy, my mommy, and she's like, Timmy, and he goes into the room, and she's sitting on the bed, and she's like, Timmy, why, Timmy? How can you minimize this man's pain? The thing is, he shouldn't have been involved. If you are, you know that this demon can weaken you. You know this demon is going to come after you. You have a recent trauma in your life. You take yourself out of the situation. It is your responsibility. But he felt a responsibility to the family. But you also need to feel a responsibility that somebody else can handle it. Well, if that was the case, then why didn't Father Marin say don't be But he, Father Marin doesn't know about it. He kicks him out after he realizes what's going on. Because the thing well, is, you have a responsibility to this family. You know you have a recent trauma that you feel guilty about. Well, 
it, it turns out it's a good thing that Damien is there. That's all I'm going to say. You know that I'm right. Anyway. <laughs> so Marin kicks Damien out because of all this issues. And Marion's like, it's just me and you. Marin, sorry. It's just like, it's just me and you, bitch. To he doesn't actually say that. And then Detective Douche just shows up because why not? Oh, my God. And then Damien's like, oh, Marin died. Damien also does not know CPR during this point because he just, like, yeah, violently just, like, bashes his chest. It's Jack's Slap of Life. The Jack Slap? Oh, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> he just... <laughs> the Jack Slap of Life refers to the television series Lost, where Jack was performing CPR on Charlie, mm-hmm. and Jack is a doctor, mind you, yep. and decides after CPR didn't work that he was just going to punch him violently in the chest. him in the chest. Oh, no, no, hold on. It wasn't even a punch. It was an open hand yeah. smack. And uh, he was just like... Nuh, nuh, nuh. Anybody's chest, like, chest or would have caved in at right. the pressure of this. So, and then Charlie came back to life. So Kristen and I refer to any poor CPR <laughs> movies as the, the Jack, Jack Slap of Life. life. <laughs> um, and Damien, after he doesn't realize how to perform, know how to do CPR, goes ham on the demon. He's yep. just like, you bastard, yep. you bastard, you bastard, uh-huh, take me, it. take me. Uh-huh. And the demon does. And, and he goes to strangle Reagan, does. and he does. And then Detective Douche comes in as he's strangling Reagan and shoots him in the end. And he goes out the window. Okay, that's not how it happens. <laughs> he controls possession long enough to yes. throw himself out the window. Because he is so noble that he sacrifices himself. And the real demon was the stairs along the long. Yep, the, the stairs were possessed. But then... I remember the first time we watched this, I said, he died. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Chris was, like, really traumatized. See, the thing about this movie is that I see it more as a tragedy, the tragedy of Damien Karras, than I do as the horror of Reagan, whatever the last name is. McNeil. McNeil, McNeil. Um, And I don't see it as a tragedy. You do. (gasps) You, no. Deserve to die like that. What if he goes to hell because of it? He got less rights. Remember, oh, Father Dyer comes. Oh, that's that actually not so pre- Then that Father Dyer does so less rights. What a bro! What a bro! And then we get this final scene where Father Dyer is checking up on them, and they're mm-hmm. leaving, and Reagan doesn't remember anything, and her skin's healing though, so that's yeah. Cool. And. In the book, it actually, I think, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, ends with Detective Douche asking Father Dyer to go to the movies with him. Because Detective Douche just really wants to go to movies with people. Apparently. But that doesn't happen in the movie. It also might have been a deleted scene in the movie. Because I feel like I vaguely remember that uh, happening. Oh, my God. And that is the Exorcist, ladies that and is, gentlemen. That's the Exorcist. So, final thoughts? I miss Jamie. He's so noble. And humble and lovely and he didn't deserve to die but he did it to save to save Reagan and Chris McNeil and he shall go down as a true king I'm more upset about Baron dying to be honest because he, he was, was actually doing his job um how is Damien not doing because he should have never been in the situation in the first place Kristen but he was and he did it to the best of his ability Uh, no he didn't he did he totally dismissed Chris 
Because he didn't know the situation before. But she explained the situation. He dismissed her. Dismissed her. He did not. The version of this movie that I want is that Pazuzu gets, um, you know, gets what he deserves, gets eliminated somehow that doesn't involve killing Oh my David. god, yes, this is... And then he leaves the priesthood, and he marries Chris, and he adopts Reagan, and that is... That is my exorcist, okay? Apparently he's not really dead, because in the sequels... Oh, yeah, I have... He comes back? Allegedly. <gasps> my, my baby Damien, he comes back? But I think he's evil. Oh no, why is he evil? He was possessed. Did you miss, did you miss the last ten minutes of the movie? So out I of five head turners, what do you rate it? As a movie overall, I guess I'll give it like a 4.5. I don't want to give it a full five because it does have that weirdness with the jumping and the time. Yeah. But it is a great movie. Yeah. It is a very captivating, like, I was compelled the whole time, compelled by the power of Christ the whole time to to be into it and watching it. I think the performances were great. Obviously, I love Jason Miller and Laval. Um, <laughs> uh, in terms of scariness, see, I'm skewed now, because, like, I am scared by very little now. And I don't, like, it's unsettling, obviously, but it doesn't really, you know, it's... Uh, Having watched it twice now, again, I see kind of it more as a tragedy of this poor guy and I guess the saving of this family than I really do, like, a really, really scary movie. So, for Midterns... Feel it. Oh. See it? He's got a raised M on her arm. Oh, holy shit. Yes. So weird. So weird. That would give five (laughs) Midterns of scariness. Um, For the scariness of this, I'm going to give... I'll give it a three Midterns of scary. Sorry, I just... We're I was, hydrating. I was parched. Hydration <laughs> so is important. For movie-wise, probably a three out of five, um, mainly because the time thing annoys me. Yeah. I've always been one of those people who I need, like, strict timelines. This is going to sound really ridiculous, but even when I'm telling stories to myself in my head, I need, mm-hmm. like, strict timel accuracy. Okay. Like, I'll be like, oh, like, I'll tell a story... I tell stories to myself to help myself go to sleep because I don't sleep well. But I'll be like, oh, okay, so there's this woman and she's going here. And I'm like, okay, so it's going to take her two and a half hours to get there. Oh, my God. It's like, there's something wrong with me. Again, that will be another podcast. But so, like, the time issues bothered me. Um, Yeah. They're not great. For scariness, I'm going to give it a four head turners out of five. This movie still scares me to this day. Um, The idea of possession... Yeah, and any any movie that deals with possession is always going to get a decently high rate of scariness right. for me because it's still a legitimate fear. Of yeah, I, I think if you grow up the way that we did, it doesn't ever really leave you. But then it's also just the fear of like someone taking over your right not to, to lose your bodily agency. Like you're you, but you're not you. Right to lose to lose your bodily agency. Yeah, so. I think it's super creepy so that wraps up this episode of oh. the nightlight oh um you want to plug our gmail again okay sure we still don't have any social media right now if we did we'd put that picture from megan's arm which was crazy up on it but we don't we will eventually but we do have a gmail it's the night 
the nightlight podcast at gmail.com spelled like it sounds all one word and if you guys have any comments or questions or any suggestions for stuff for us to watch we would love that because then we could have an email segment and read all of your fun notes on the podcast and then we would probably shorten our reviews because <laughs> i don't know if you guys I mean, want to listen to two hours of us talking <laughs> i don't know how long was that that wasn't long uh, it's an hour 20 it's an hour 20. Okay, that's not terrible. Well, I, whatever. You know, this is just the beginning. We'll see it how it goes. It is just the beginning. Um, please rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. Yes. Apple, Spotify. Especially iTunes if you can. Yes. Um, Give us five stars. If you didn't like it, then just don't say anything. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yes, and again. As I said the first episode, we are very bad at promoting ourselves. <laughs> but this has been the Nightlight Podcast, and just remind you to always keep the nightlight on. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye.